It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 708, 45 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape with everything you want to do, as well as using systemic insecticides on your fruit trees. I did a little investigation during the break to see what can and cannot be used, and our caller was correct. There is... There are products that are labeled for use on fruit trees that contain the same chemical that's in Bayer Tree and Shrub. But the Bayer Tree and Shrub label, if I read it correctly, says can be used on lots of landscape plants, but can only be used on apples at a certain stage in their growth, not labeled for use on peaches. That said, there's another Bayer product that has the same chemical in it, but with a much lower concentration that is used for against peaches and apples and several other listed uh, fruit plants. But you would not know that without reading the label and following it, making sure you get the right concentration of insecticide. And it notes you're only controlling leaf-feeding insects. You're not doing anything to control uh, curculio that gets into the fruit. You're not controlling stink bugs particularly well with the systemic insecticides. And both of those, the the plum weevil or plum cuculio and the uh, uh, other sticking, sucking insects that get their, their legs and their snout into fruit, they're not going to be controlled by the bear, either one, bear fruit and vegetable or bear tree and shrub, because the chemical just doesn't get out there into the fruit itself. My phone number again this morning, 404-872-0750. Who we got first? Vernon's out and coming, and Vernon joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Vernon, yeah, good morning. I'm all right, what's going on? How can I help? Um, I had some people uh, doing my grass last year, yeah. and they told me that uh, some bugs were eating it either from the top or from the bottom, the grub or something. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what I need to get to take care of that. First, you need to be sure they're right. Maybe they were wrong. Well, I had two people tell me, two different uh, land, uh, lawn companies tell me that. Did they show you the grubs? They, they said it was... Either eating it being eaten from the top or from the bottom. Yeah, but did like, they have one in their hand to show their no. customer Vernon to say this is what you have? No, they didn't. It's it's really easy to blame a lot of things on grubs, and in my experience, grubs are not a problem in most homeowner lawns. They may be on a golf course because golf courses have real specific ways that they fertilize that sort of enhances the growth of grubs as well as grass. And uh, even the professionals, these guys that were advising you, they should know that the there's a threshold for how many grubs are in the ground and when you should, we should treat for them. Generally speaking, until you have eight or nine grubs per square foot in the ground, you don't treat. And so if they had dug in your lawn and found a bunch of grubs underneath the side, the side was sort of easy to pull up because they were gnawing on it at the ground level, yeah, okay, time to treat. But until they have eight or nine per square foot, I don't think it's necessary. Okay. So the question becomes, why is Vernon's grass not looking good? That's the real question. We want you to have a nice-looking lawn. But it right. may not be grubs. It may be something else. Tell me what grass you're growing, Vernon. Um, whatever um, – I'm from California, so whatever is <laughs> – uh, it dies in the, in the winter. Yeah. Probably Bermuda grass. That sounds like yeah, Bermuda grass. I think that's what it is. All right. And how, how are you fertilizing? How is somebody fertilizing the lawn? 
Well, they come out every six weeks and they do a, a spray and granule. Yeah. Well, that's that's about right. I think that's the right fertilization. Is it in sun or shade? Pardon me. Is, is the lawn in sun or shade? Uh, it's in sun. Full sun. All right. Good. You should be able to control, or not to control, but to tolerate up to nine grubs per square foot in full sun fertilizing, as you said, by your lawn care company. But when they mm-hmm. diagnose a, pro- a problem with your lawn, I want you to ask, well, show me where the bug is. Because if you, they can't show you the bug, then they're just guessing. They don't know. They think it looks like it. But unless they can dig up the ground and show you some grubs, I don't think I'd use uh, a, an insecticide. I need to have a threshold for action, and that was being eight or nine per square foot. Okay. Okay, right. so and do a little more investigation, Vernon. Look around, and there are online resources. My website's good, but there's lots of things that will teach you how to diagnose problems in a lawn, whether it's brown patch disease, maybe, or whether it's uh-huh. grubs or other things that could be causing it to, um, to decline. And quite honestly, if you're not satisfied with the advice you get from one company, try a different company. Ask your neighbors what company they use. You're from California, and people in the South are generally pretty nice to people from California and get them uh, acclimated to how we grow lawns down here. So ask a couple of your neighbors to give you some advice on it and maybe a recommendation of a company that seems to do real well with their lawn. Got it? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for calling, Vernon. It's 713. We've got Nancy. He's out in Covington. He joins us. Hey, Good Nancy. Morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question. My husband, uh, for our 41st anniversary on March the 1st, gave wow. me a dozen roses. And two of those roses, I still have them. They're wow. fading down. But two of those roses have developed sprouts. I'll be darned. But what about roots of the end of the stem? Do they have any roots? I have not seen any roots yet. Ah. Would I be able to work with them and get them planted to grow? I'm sad to say that your marriage has lasted this long, (laughs) and it's going to last even longer, but those roses are never going to root, and you can't plant them in the garden. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I know. I know. It's heartbreaking because you're thinking, man, if I just plant this, it'll be a symbol of our love. It'll be so nice to look at mm-hmm. it. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. But it won't root. Um, okay. The tree just, or the shrub bush had, or the rose bush had enough energy in it to send out a couple more sprouts, but that's just using up its last gasp of energy and, and material that it had in the stem, and it's not likely at all that it'll make any okay. roots on it. So I can just quit pampering and throw them away then. Have a nice little ceremony about it. I mean, you've got 41 years of marriage. That is an accomplishment beyond many others. So have a little ceremony and then put them on a compost pile, and their writing down and composting will make something to grow in your garden in the next year. Another time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for calling, Nancy. Congratulations Mm -hmm. on 41 years, too. It is 7.15. Who's next in here? Dave. Dave comes to us from Silver Creek and joins us on Lawn and Garden. David. Hey, David. I just wanted to comment about the lady who called earlier about the seeds. I'm, my wife and I like to pickle them. We've been growing them for goodness, probably five or more years, I guess. Sure. And, uh, you know, some years they, they do better than others. A couple of years ago when it was real wet, nothing, nothing really did any good in my garden, but... Yeah. We have been able to germinate them, and we've gotten adequate uh, yields out of, of what we've planted. So let, me, let me ask you a couple of specific questions, Dave. So did you start with seed, or did you start with beet plants in little four-inch pots? 
No, we started with seeds, just like uh, other things that we planted. We plant pickling cucumbers. We pickle those, and then we would put uh, rows of beet seeds down. You know, typically at the same time. Typically, either in April or May. Yeah. Depending how you know prompt I am in getting out and tilling the garden and getting it ready. Yeah. But, uh, so it sounds like the timing is important here. When you put the seeds in the ground, the soil has to be warm enough to get the beet seeds to germinate. So that's April, May. Correct, correct. Yeah, typically April to early May is when you know I'm putting putting a lot of the seeds in. So. And you, you mentioned one more thing, which I think is critical, but maybe some listeners would know about. But well-drained soil, any root crop, whether it's uh, radishes or rutabagas or or turnips or uh, beets in this case. Any root crop needs really, really well-drained soil, meaning that when the rain or irrigation falls on it, the soil dries out within just a day or so, and the water doesn't stand and stay in all that clay in your soil. And so when you're planning to plant beets, that needs to be nicely tilled. The area should be nicely tilled, and the uh, plants will have an easy time making the roots swell up and grow and give you the the vegetable that you want. But if you have a lot of clay in the soil or a place that's low that the beets are trying to grow in, that is not going to be happy because they certainly do like soil that gets wet and then dries out pretty quickly over the next two days or so. You don't want to have wet soil planting beets. Dave, thank you for that tip. I appreciate that. Somebody with success at beets, there are few and far between. John is in Bethlehem, and John joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John, good morning. Appreciate you. Uh, what can we do for you, John? I am having trouble growing lilac bushes. Hmm. And because and you want lilac bushes to grow here because why? Uh, I grew up in Michigan and just <laughs> love the fragrance. I always know that somebody has come down from up north and wants to grow lilacs because, oh, my grandma's lilacs, my aunt's lilacs, my mama's lilacs right there by the garage. It smells so good. And the key, John, is getting a variety that works in Georgia. And there are a lot of them. I saw mine yesterday that has had lilac flowers six years in a row, I guess now. Yeah, about six years in a row. Um, Angel White is one. Uh, Black Knight is another. Any of the what are called Descanso hybrids, they work real well, too. But if you go to a nursery around, make sure that you have a checklist. Go online and look and see if there are not some lists of lilacs that are good for southern environments because the ones that grow here don't do too well in the north and the ones that grew where you grew up they don't do too well down in Georgia so do a little homework before you go to a nursery and if you have a list of lilacs that do well in the southeast that's what you go by and if the nursery says oh yeah well I think these do well down here don't take their word for it do your research beforehand and know which ones are there. But if you get the right varieties, you can have that same lilac smell that makes you feel so good now. You can have it in your yard. You sure can, because I certainly do it. No problem at all. It's 719, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Rain is moving out. 
calendar may say winter right now, and I think spring, a little taste of it, going to be 70s this afternoon, low 70s this afternoon as it clears up again. Tomorrow, 70s again. Kirk's going, so whoo, we're going to have some nice weather coming up. Highs or lows, I guess, in the low, seven, low 50s this evening. Slim chance of scattered showers throughout, but mostly a nice, clear, warm afternoon in Georgia. Atlanta's full and most accurate, dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jason, out in Conyers, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jason. Hey, good morning. Hey. I, uh, my existing home and lawn is a Bermuda uh, lawn that we've treated for 12 years. Okay. And not, not having any problems with it, but we, we bought a vacant lot next door to it that's mostly weeds and dirt, and we want to get it finished but don't want to spend the budget on Bermuda. Yeah. What would be a good grass but not too competing because the two lawns will kind of butt up to each other? Or would you recommend separating Is, is the new uh, lot, is that uh, full sun or shady, or what does the sun look like? It's all full sun, yep. You know, I would say seeded Bermuda. Um, Princess 77 seeded Bermuda does very nicely. It matches uh, the hybrid side of Bermuda's pretty well, and it wouldn't, wouldn't hurt my feelings at all to go Princess 77 over there. Okay, all right, and that's a, um, I didn't realize you could actually seed Bermuda. Yeah, 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 a lot of the, oh, not a lot of it, all the sodded Bermudas are hybrids. You can't find seed for hybrid Bermudas, it's sterile. But for at least one variety, and that's the Princess 77, they grows, germinates very nicely in full sun, you should be fine. And uh, it has a nice, dense look to it, almost like the hybrid side. So Princess 77, for a lot of people, works out just not just right. It's 727, almost 728. Coming up in the next half hour, Brad and Hartwell. We're going to have to do a little marital counseling with Brad. One person in the relationship says one thing. The other person says the other thing, which is right. Mr. Reeves is in here to judge which. Jackie in Cedartown says that her mosquito problem, she wants to know how to fix those mosquitoes. Or they come buzzing around her head this summer. We'll have all that and more coming up in the next half hour, 404-872-0750. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 735, 45.7 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. It's going to rain this morning for a little while longer, and then this afternoon going to be ecstatically nice. It's going to be in the low 70s this afternoon. If you have questions about what you can, what you can or cannot be doing in your landscape, 404-872-0750. But first, a more important assignment for the morning, and that is to give away the WSB McDonald's Weekend Prize Pack. Crystal Wheeler is here thinking of numbers somewhere between 2 and 7 to determine who wins a four-pack of VIP tickets to the 27th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show, March 20th through 22nd at the Cobb Galleria, plus a pair of tickets to the Atlanta Ballet's Camino Real, March the 20th through the 22nd at the Cobb Energy Center, a four-pack of tickets to the 33rd, yeah, 33rd Annual Atlanta International Auto Show, March 25 through 29 at the Georgia World Congress Center, plus a family four-pack of tickets to see the Gwinnett Gladiators versus the Orlando Solar Bears on March 28th at the Gwinnett Center. That's a lot of stuff, Crystal. What caller is going to win it all? Caller three. Caller number three to our contest line, 
0750-441-0750. Contest, contestant number three. Let's go back to the phones. We got um, Brad, I believe it is. or is, Brad, you're on News Talk WSB. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. My wife and I have planted a big garden that includes berries, muscadines, and fruit trees. Mm-hmm. And some of them are recommended to get an application of 10, 10, and 10. Got it. And my wife told me something that we've planted uh, is recommended to get five, five, and five. Ah. And I, I'm a frugal guy. I've got a big bag of 10, 10, 10. <laughs> I told her I would just apply a 50% application of the 10, 10, 10 right. in lieu of going and buying a bag of five, five, five. But she tells me it doesn't work that way. So please explain. Ah, the marital counseling aspect to my job is is very important to me sometimes, and many times I can find a way so that both husband and wife go away satisfied. They're both right to some extent. You're the man. In this case, you are all right, and she is all wrong. Is she listening right now, Brad? She's not. Oh, well, you can just tell her what I said. You're exactly right. Program recorded. If the 1010 application rate is 10 pounds per thousand square feet, you can make it five pounds per thousand. That is the equivalent of 555 fertilizer. Excellent. Thanks, Walter. (laughs) I see that big grin on your face. You got something. You can see it, huh? I can. I sort of feel it right through the microphone. Yeah. Have a great day. Break it to her softly. That's what we have to do as husbands is know how to break information, unpleasant information, very softly to our spouse. Jackie's out in Cedartown and has a question this morning about his uh, mosquitoes. Jackie, hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I enjoy your show. I listen to you quite often. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've just moved into an old home, which is new to me, and it has a canopy of of water oaks and some big cedar trees. Yeah. Not much grass, but uh, what, what grass, a lot of it, but most of it's weeds Got it. <laughs> because of the shade. And uh, I have a major mosquito problem, and I also mm-hmm. have a small pond beside the house on one side sure. that is... Uh, it's a man-made shallow pond, and it dries up in the summer. Mm. Uh, but in the meantime, it creates a mosquito problem also. Yeah. What, what is my best solutions here? You don't have any good solutions, if that's what you're asking, Jackie. Uh, what you've got <laughs> is several sort of poor solutions that may add up to a little bit of mosquito control. That pond, that's a problem right there, because if it's that shallow, it inevitably is going to have little shallow pools and pods around the edges. It dries up in the summertime, and they're going to stay wet for the five or six days it takes for mosquito eggs to germinate or to hatch, I guess you call it, to hatch and to form larvae, and the larvae to become grown-up mosquitoes. So what can you do? And how big is this, this little pond, Jack? Is it a it's, quarter it's acre? probably 100 feet long by... Oh, 50 feet wide. Yeah. Is there anything I can put in the water? Yeah, there is, and it's unfortunately going to be pretty expensive to cover that much of a much of area there. There, there are products called BT. BT, what, Israelensis? Yeah, BT Mosquito Control. You've probably seen these little donut kind of things at hardware stores sometimes, and it says for mosquito control, just throw one of these donuts into the pool of water, and it kills them. Uh, Pretty quickly, right. uh-huh. yeah, that works great. But getting enough donuts to go around the edge of this hundred foot long, hundred foot wide pond is going to make some bucks there for you. There okay. are, it seems to me, online some suppliers, do-it-yourself pest control kind of place places that have the same 
product it's in a granule form not in the uh, mosquito donut kind of thing but the granular form maybe you could buy it in 20-25 pound bags and use a little cedar or lawn spreader or something to go out there and spread it along the edge of the pond just walking around the pond it does not here's the great thing it does not have any effect on other animals other than mosquitoes so it's not okay. going to hurt the frogs or I guess there's not going to be any fish in the lake but they're not going to hurt any other creatures that might be around there and that you know, going around the lake with this granular product, and again, look online because I really, I rarely see anything other than the little mosquito donuts that stores around Atlanta. And then uh, around your house, well, you know the basics of everything else. Be sure you dump out the saucers and the cans and tires or anything else that might hold water. But water is the key. A mosquito has to have water that it can stay in for five or six days between egg laying and uh, adult mosquito. And so you got to be real careful to know where your water puddles might be and try to put this stuff in there. Okay. What about, uh, is there something I can put on, say, the lawn? Because it it stays pretty damp even because of all the trees. No, I don't think it's necessary. Mosquitoes, okay. you may be bit when you're walking across the lawn, but they didn't come from the lawn. They came from some other water puddle place nearby. <laughs> okay. Don't blame it on the lawn. The Bermuda grass has nothing to do with mosquitoes. All righty. Well, I appreciate that, and we'll give it a try. All right, Jackie. Great talking to you. See you soon. Thank you. It's 42 minutes past the hour. Cindy is out in College Park and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Cindy. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I need help with my fescue lawn. I'm wondering what type of um, grass uh, fertilizer all right. Are I you planning on it now. Are you planning at all to plant, fertilizer, uh, plant fescue seed? I know I'm not. I've already planted that. How long ago? Oh, about um, I guess it was September of Great. last year. You are perfectly poised, Cindy. You are perfectly ready to do what I'm about to say, which is to use either straight what's called just turf fertilizer, lawn fertilizer. Pike has a nice big uh, selection of lawn fertilizers you can buy. You could use a weed and feed if you want to, because since the seed was planted so long ago, back in September, you won't have any uh, inhibition of those sprouts growing if you put a weed and feed down now. And again, pikes, they got great stuff, so why not go to pike and get it? Weed and feed, huh? Weed, either weed and feed. If you don't have many weeds, there's really no need to use that. Or you can use just what's called straight turf fertilizer with no weed control involved at all. Either mm -hmm. one will work fine. Just use the what it says on the label. It'll tell you how many pounds per thousand square feet. And hopefully before you go to the store, Cindy, you'll know how many thousand square feet your lawn is. Use your sixth grade math, you know, to figure out how many square feet it is so you'll know how much of the product to buy. I have some 10-10-10 um, that was left over from yeah. uh, another project I had in here, yeah. you know, bulbs and that kind of thing. How much 10, 10, 10 is a pound or 25 pounds? Oh, I think, I, I think it's 25 pounds or more. If your lawn is pretty small, in other words, the, the rate of applying 10, 10, 10 is 10 pounds per thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. So if you had a, let's say you have a 20 pound bag, that'll cover 2,000 square feet. Yeah. So you got to know how big your lawn is to know how much to put down. But it's generally just speaking. It's part of my house. I don't know. I think it. <laughs> It's not that large. Oh, you're going to have to figure it out, Cindy. You can't get by with just thinking it's sort of maybe this or this. So got to really know, huh? Somebody get somebody to help you and take a tape measure out there and multiply one side by the by the length of the lawn and see if you can't get close to how many square feet it is. Okay. And, and again, uh, they, I have some uh, light spots in it as well. 
Do you think um, that's fertilizer related? You need to fertilize in the light spots. The yellow spot sort of will green up real nice and pretty for you. I feel sure that's all you need to do. But first thing first, know how big your lawn is. Walk the size. Count how many feet on one side. Multiply that times the the length of the uh, other direction. And once you know how many square feet you have, you can buy either the lawn fertilizer or the weed and feed because you're not planning on planting the fescue this year. Thanks for calling, Cindy. we got to go to Gary. Gary's out here waiting on us. You're on News Talk WSB. Gary, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How you doing? Good morning. Fine, Gary. Good. Last Saturday, I trimmed my roses bushes back. I pretty much trimmed them back to the original stems, and I've been told I waited too late to do that. Is that true? All right. You waited this year, you mean, too late to do it? Yeah, well, yeah, I did it last week. Oh, heck, Ashley was out pruning hers last week, and I was pruning mine, too. It's <laughs> just really? right. So they'll grow back now. Oh, yeah. You should see a lot of little red buds. It's been warm enough for the past two or three days to see the little red buds on the uh, rose. And okay, if when I did it last week, I noticed there was a few little sprouts, but uh, these things love where they're at, and yeah. they get huge every yeah. year. So yeah. I cut them back. Um from, anyway, I could keep them trimmed to like a, a, a ball shape. I'd like to have them maybe like four feet around. I mean, like I say, these things really get huge every year. Is this a knockout rose? Knockout roses. All right, ever. great. If it's knockout rose, there's one sort of rule of thumb that I use when advising how to prune a knockout rose is you prune it 16 inches lower than you want the flowers. So okay. if you want the flowers at, let's say, chest high, about four feet, then you prune it down to 16 inches lower than that. So what is that, four and a little bit? Um, and if you prune down to four and a little bit, it'll grow 16 inches, and it'll be blooming right at chest height in early May. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate the advice. Thank you, Walter. That's the advice right there. It's 16 inches. That's what, it, that's what my experience says is always the right distance to prune it on knockout roses. By the way, knockout roses... Boy, oh boy, are they doing well. I saw some the other day that were almost in bloom. I couldn't believe it, but somebody had a little warm place on the side of the house that had a knockout rose, and the bud was swelling up. And I thought, man, this is this is March. What are you doing? And already it was getting ready to bloom there. If you have questions about your roses or your herbs or your lawn or your trees or whatever you have on your mind, 404-872-0750. And don't forget, I'll be at another nursery this afternoon. I'll be at Scottsdale Farms up on the Birmingham Highway in Milton, Georgia, at 1130 this morning and then going to 1230 this afternoon talking about the trees and shrubs that they're introducing there. Scottsdale Farms on the Birmingham Highway, 1130 to 1230 today. I hope you'll join me there. It's 747, you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Old Man Winter. I think he's going into hibernation today. It's going to be really nice next couple of days, 70s in the afternoon, overnight low, 50s perhaps, not a whole lot of rain in the forecast either. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Anthony is in Tucker, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Anthony, good morning. Hi, Walter. How are you? Uh, fabulous. How can I help? Uh, question regarding uh, Empire Zoysia grass. I had it installed in my... Uh, yard last spring yeah. and uh, late in the in the summer early fall it got attacked pretty well by spittlebugs and mm -hmm. they thinned it out a fair amount 
and uh, I'm looking forward to see how it does in the uh, springtime. Sure. And my question for you is, what is the optimum height uh, to cut it at um, mm. in the spring? Not yet. We won't really start mowing until it's, uh, what do you say, 50% green, something like that. It's when you start mowing. And I think zoysia does best around two inches. Okay. Um, an inch and a half, you really have to have a good mower that has nice, accurate blades that just sort of slice off the top at an inch and a half. At two, most rotary mowers do fine and looks good. And I go two inches for zoysia grass. Perfect. All right, I appreciate it. Another thing to look for, and this is something that I've already gotten emails and pictures of, if you have a zoysia lawn and you see these big, black, dark patches in the middle of the zoysia lawn, it's a used to be uncommon. Now it's getting more and more common. Disease called dark, called large patch. And large patch is different from brown patch in a couple of significant ways. But the way to treat large patch, sadly, is back in the fall. That's when it starts. It infects the grass and the blades in the fall. Come spring, you have these big black areas in your zoysia lawn. So if you're one of my listeners who has the black areas in the zoysia, and you'll know who you are because it's very distinctive, go to my website and just look up large patch because that's the stuff you do not want to have in zoysia and remind yourself to treat it next year and uh, follow, the, follow the directions that I give. Anthony, thanks so much for calling. Thank you very much. We'll see you. Goodbye. 404-872-0750. I bet I can get Jan in here. Jan in Snellville, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. What can I do for you, Jan? Uh, Two quick questions. Right now in the Atlanta area, or out in our area at least, there's only one tree that appears to be blooming, and it's everywhere, and it's pink. What is that? How big is the flower? Is it as small and as big as your thumb or as big as your fist? Well, you know, I'm not right next to any of those trees. I just see them along the the roads, and they're just everywhere in Atlanta right now. I'll give you two choices because I have been thinking about this for the last week that somebody on Saturday is going to ask you, what is that pink tree that's blooming right now? Yes. If the flowers are about as big as your fist, it is a deciduous magnolia. And uh, there are several varieties. A lot of most of them have the sort of reddish, purplish uh, flowers on them. If it is a pink tree, it has small flowers, and it looks sort of Pepto-Bismol pink. Yeah, is the best way to describe yes. it. That's the Okami, O K A M E, Okami cherry. O O C A M E. O K A M E. Okami cherry, yeah, or maybe a deciduous magnolia, one or the other. Wow, and then the other question is real quick. You were just talking about this. Um, we want to move a knockout rose bush that yeah. isn't getting enough sun to a sunnier spot because it's not done as well because it's now shaded by our neighbor's big tree. Is it okay to move that? I cannot think of a more perfect day to do it. Me right too. now is perfect, yes, or right. maybe when the sun comes up. But as soon as it gets light and warm this afternoon, the rain's gone can't be a better day for moving knockout roses. This would be the time. And other shrubs too, but knockout in particular. So go ahead, get it done, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. 404-872-0750 is my number on Lawn and Garden. If you've got a question about your lawn, your garden, your landscape, your critters, your pests, your trees, give me a call. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Loses herself in the dreaming and sleep And her lovers walk through in their clothes yeah. Pretty, yeah.